All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat, our pre-pre-free agency show. We still have another one to go uh, before the uh, the things start to get real, and we actually start to uh, analyze what is happening as opposed to what might happen. And it's fun thinking about all the different scenarios and. That's why we still have another couple shows worth of that. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, Matthew Fairburn. The two of us are fresh off a uh, a real lambasting. We we uh, attended the office trivia last night. It was, you know, we 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 held our own, but man, were there some uh, some difficult things out there. I'm still I'm still licking my wounds a little bit from some of the things we missed. Yeah, it was tough. I I anticipated it would be tough. Office fanatics are no joke. They don't. They it's crazy. Ju- they got to make it tough to to weed out the. Uh, I I wouldn't say I'm a fanatic, but I've probably watched the show through two or three times, and you know, watch it when it's on or throw it on on Netflix occasionally. So I, I feel like I know it pretty well, but they made me feel like I'd, you know, I I'm nothing compared to the uh, the true fanatics of the world. Well, some of the things were just, like, you had to be paying super close attention. Like, one of the questions was, what was the uh, uh, what was the tagline of the, uh, the unicorn doll um, that Dwight was selling? It's like, A, how the heck do you know that without Googling it? And B, if you do, kudos. I mean, I, I've got a lot of stupid office stuff in my brain, but... Man, it was, it was, it was pretty intense. So yeah, that was a, it was a good time. It was also one where you, when you actually get one, you're like, yes, I knew it. But we did not uh, finish in last. So we did not. There's, we actually we had that going al- for us. We almost doubled the last place score. So that that part of it was good. But I was afraid it, we were we were going to bring up the rear for a while. <laughs> after the first round absolutely so you are probably not listening to hear about our uh office trivia exploits but you are here to hear about the bills and uh exactly what they might do in uh in this free agency period so i i had an idea for a little fun exercise and i think it could spring a lot of good discussion about what the, what they could use what they might do so my idea was this to make a pitch for uh, one on offense, one on defense for one player that is a both realistic because obviously you can say, oh yeah, sign up Bradbury and uh, and Ngakwe or Ngakwe and Brandon Scherf, and it's like okay, well that's that's not basing things in reality, but so that's both realistic. And a good fit for what the Bills are trying to do. So we'll start it off on the offensive side of the ball. You know, there are a lot of good options, a lot of positions that uh, that could be had uh, in this free agency period. But uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you first and, and let you lead off with what player would, uh, would be the ideal for you, Matthew Fairburn. That's all. That's also realistic. Yeah, realistic puts a cap on things, I feel like. It does. And, you know, certainly ideal would be, you know, Amari Cooper or somebody like that. But I 
I just don't view those those types of players as realistic in terms of their spending plan. And with how much they added to the offense in free agency last year, I think it'll be a little bit different this this offseason because I don't think the free agent class is necessarily as strong and the Bills needs on offense aren't as glaring. They're they're absolutely there. We've discussed a lot of them over the last couple of months. They need to address that side of the football. They need to be a lot better on that side of the football, but it's not a case where they need five new offensive linemen, multiple, right. you know, new receivers. And they do need a couple new receivers, but the free agent class isn't strong enough for them to make that, you know, type of splash. There are a couple of big name tight ends available if they wanted to go into that, you know, that big, you know, spending pool. If they, if there was a place to be aggressive where it made sense in this free agent class, I feel like tight end might be it, you know, an Austin Hooper or a Hunter Henry, but I don't know that again, when you talk about realistic, you have to remember, you know, who's going to be available, who's going to get the franchise tag and a lot of that is going to change in the next week. So it's not necessarily that I don't think they need to make one of those drastic moves. It's just more whether they're going to be that aggressive and, and chase the 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 big sticker uh, items out there on the free agent market. So the guy that I've zeroed in on a little bit is, is Joe Haig, the offensive lineman from the Indianapolis Colts. He's got a history with Bobby Johnson, um, which is you know, a start, uh, you look around at who they've signed over the last few years, and it's not every guy that they sign, but a lot of times, you know, they sign guys who, uh, somebody on the coaching staff is familiar with. And a lot of those have worked out really well. It's been a lot of, uh, you know, good bargain signings over the year. Jordan Poyer, uh, probably the one that comes to mind first with, uh, Bobby Babbage Jr. You know, being, uh, you know, a, a big proponent of Poyers from his time in Cleveland. Last year, one of their best free agent signings was John Feliciano, and the Bobby Johnson connection played in big there. So Joe Haig, not a guy that's necessarily going to transform their offensive line or take it, you know, to the next level, but a guy that can play a little bit of everywhere. You saw last year that Ty Insecki, you know, they didn't necessarily think he could hold up the whole season, um, you know, at his age, um, you know, with some of the, the knee issues and, and just kind of, they were, they were managing his workload in a big way. And, you know, a lot is up in the air with Cody Ford. Obviously that's the domino that needs to fall, but Haig has the ability to play guard and tackle. Uh, he knows Johnson. Well, he, I think he would fit what they do. He's not going to be a guy that, you know, breaks the bank necessarily, probably will get a decent contract, but he's someone that, you know, could plug right in and provide some competition. Talking to Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean last week, you got the sense that they're not satisfied on the offensive line. That, mm-hmm. You know, they they made some improvements, but there's still some room to grow. And I think a guy like Haig could come in and, and you know, make, uh, you know, kind of add some more competition and give them some more flexibility in terms of their lineup options and what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, uh, I'll first go to a, um, a quote from Sean McDermott that I, I think kind of insinuated what, what we're both kind of feeling from the way they, that they talked in Indianapolis. And it was when McDermott was asked about adding a playmaker 
And McDermott said, the game changes in so many ways. And so whether you're adding a wide receiver or protecting your quarterback, I think it's important that we continue to add pieces on the offensive side of the board and adding playmakers is important. But if you have playmakers and no one to protect the ball, that doesn't work either. We've all seen that. So doing so going about it in a responsible way, trying to do both would be ideal. I mean, he went out of his way to bring up the offensive line when asked about adding playmakers. So it's it's pretty certain which way uh, Sean McDermott is kind of leaning, at, at least in terms of adding to the offense, if, if it's that important to him. And in regards to Joe Haig, I'm glad you brought him into this discussion because, you know, coming out next week, I'm going to have a series of, you know, realistic and ideal free agent targets uh, after going back and watching at least three, if not four or five games of film of all of these guys. And of the guys that I watched, Joe Haig from price point and versatility was my favorite for the Bills. And so I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you there. I'll pick another one after I'm done with the spiel here just, just for you know discourse. But you know what I, what I loved about Haig is the fact that he has experience. I think he has... 35 starts to his name, if I'm not mistaken. And it didn't really start all that much last year. But when you have someone that um, has shown the ability to play right tackle, to play inside at guard, um, that's the type of flexibility they're looking for. And we've talked about Cody Ford and them needing to make a decision on him. But what I like about Haig is that they can defer the decision by adding him as opposed to adding an offensive tackle in the first round or an offensive tackle in free agency, which thereby pushes him to guard completely. Now, some uh, I would think it's probably best for Cody Ford if they make a decision right away, but maybe they're of the mindset of, okay, let's see what he does this summer and, and go from there because we don't want to put a limit on him. Uh, and that wouldn't necessarily be a terrible approach either. So Haig kind of gives you the best of both worlds here. You love his athleticism. Um, he's got quick enough feet. I mean, he's got long enough arms to be able to handle the edge. He struggles a little bit with power, but again, you're not going to get a perfect player on free agency. There's a reason that they're there, but the the experience is an absolute plus. The history with Bobby Johnson that you brought up, it all adds up, and he seems exactly the type of guy that they would corner on a free agent market by looking for weaknesses in the market. The fact that he didn't wasn't a uh, every-week starter last year. Love that for them in terms of how they operate in trying to get a better deal on a guy. And I think that's what separates the line of realistic with um, with things uh, that are a little bit above and beyond what they would do above their, uh, you know, above their limitations that they impose on themselves. And so so that's where this exercise kind of brings us. So Haig, I love, but just just for the matter of discourse. I'm going to stick with the offensive line with a guy that I think would be ideal and also realistic. You know, I I would sit here and say I would it would be incredible for them if they could get a guy like Graham Glasgow from uh from Detroit because he's just he's an outstanding guard. He's so underrated and uh, he would be fantastic, but I mean, everyone is watching the film on these guys. So the fact that they have the uh, uh, that they have all of the info for them makes me believe he's going to get paid in the offseason. So the guy I'm going to go with is Brian Bulaga 
from Green Bay, their right tackle, the longtime right tackle. He's going to be entering his 11th season. And before you think, oh, well, that's going to be too too much. Well, the fact that he's going to be 31 in later this month and that he's entering his 11th season is going to drive his price point down. I mean, he's someone who is just a smooth operator. Sometimes he'll get beat by speed, but more often than not, he'll outsmart his defender. And that, to me, is worth its weight in gold. Um, they could even move on from Ty Secchi if they wanted to with this situation, but I think they would rather have him be a swing guy. It would also mean that they would have made a decision that Cody Ford is a guard. But, you know, from spot track's valuation, it shows uh, Brian Bulaga around like a, a $9.5 million a year player. And I think that contract is doable. They, they could do one or two of those in free agency, that, that middle tier range of for a position. And when guys like DJ Humphreys are getting $15 million from their own team and re-signing and not even hitting the market, you would have to think that uh, Bulaga, with his age and the projection-based variable to his contract, it can be had for a bit less than that. So, so that's the guy I'll go with. I mean, he's been... He's been great. I mean, he's not phenomenal or anything. He he does have some weaknesses, but he is he is a power in in the run game, and uh, I think I think he would be a fine addition to them if uh, if they wanted to hit that middle tier with a. It's kind of a similar signing to a John Brown with a little bit up there in age, and that's kind of you have to give up one or the other for their realistic dreams and free agency. It's either. You give up the fact that they didn't really have a huge role the year before and had prior success, or that they're getting up there in age, and that's that's how you get the deal on the market. So that's why I, I like Bulaga. Yeah, I think he would be a, a really nice addition anywhere where they can. You know, the funny thing about the offensive line is that even though it did get better last year, and um, it was really bad the year before, so it would have been hard for it to get worse. But they didn't commit an insane amount of long-term resources to the offensive line. Obviously, Mitch Morse, uh, they set the market there, but you know, still a contract that in a couple of years, um, you know, won't be a huge problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Ty and Secchi, like you said, they they have the flexibility to move on there if they need to, and even that wasn't a crazy, crazy deal. And Outside of that, John Feliciano was an extreme bargain. Uh, Quentin Spain was a one-year deal. Cody Ford, a second-round pick, but um, you know, not uh, a crazy, crazy resource. So, getting a guy like Balaga at ten million would, you know, further kind of solidify what they're doing and give them a exactly. little bit of flexibility and things like that. Same goes for Haig, or maybe they sign multiple offensive linemen. I don't think that, they're that could there, definitely happen. You know, I think. They're not necessarily satisfied. They do love versatility. And, you know, Balaga might just be a right tackle, but that allows them some creativity in terms of what they do with everybody else. And, and would you would you rather have, you know, sit there and say, well, let's, you know, bank on Ty and Secchi or have Ty and Secchi as your swing guy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and be able to have that depth. They obviously value the depth. They value competition and they really value the ability to play multiple spots and have different combinations because guys do go down and uh, things do happen. So the more combinations you have, the better off you are. And uh, that's why I think offensive line 
should and probably will be the area on the offense uh, that they they focus on in free agency. It's possible that they you know take a swing at a receiver that's a little bit undervalued to to you know maybe a I don't know Brashad Perryman might not be undervalued. You know, yeah, I don't think he guys, is anymore. Like Demarcus Robinson might go for a pretty good chunk of change if he's one of the only ones to hit the market. I don't know what that you know wide receiver free agent market will look like. I wouldn't be surprised if they take a swing on one uh, just to to have another guy in the mix because they need some help there. But uh, I think the offensive line should be where they devote, you know, the most attention and resources. Yeah, a- absolutely. Especially one thing I forgot in Spain leaves, you know, there's right. You know, right. that aspect of it as well. One thing I forgot to mention about Bulaga is coming into the NFL when he was a draft prospect back in 2010, the big discussion was, is this guy a tackle or is he a guard? And as he gets further along into his career, if if it comes to pass that they think he would be best suited at guard, it's not as though he can't move inside and play. I mean, he's he's definitely well-trained enough to make that move. And that's that's a move you see a lot of older offensive linemen take if if uh, they go beyond the initial contract with Bulaga and, and they re-sign him. But uh, coming to his age 31 season, you'd have to expect he's probably signing his uh, his last or second-to-last contract in the NFL. So he, he's someone uh, I quite like. And quickly on the receivers, I've got a value guy for you. And it's someone we brought up a lot last year. Devin Funchess only played one game last year um, for for the Colts after suffering an injury. And that's if they can get him on a cheap one year, prove it. I would not put it past Brandon Bean to do it with with him. Uh, Considering the history, just giving them another option. There wouldn't be any um, there wouldn't be any, uh, I guess, promises to start. He'd have to earn everything. And it would take pressure off uh, a rookie receiver that they're likely going to draft. I don't know. It, that that seems – last year, it was a bit more of a precarious situation because he was probably going to get more than maybe they were comfortable with paying. But this year, coming off an injury, it might be uh, ripe to get him on a, a similar contract to what they paid for, I don't know, like a Kevin Johnson last year or something like that. You've been banging the Devin Funches drum for, it, what, 18 months now. Hang on. It would be, hang it on. Would be really. Uh, it would. It would be poetic if it. If, if it finally came to be. I, can you rule it out though? I mean, Bean loves no, the guys so. he drafted. I, I wonder. You know. Yeah, they know him better than anybody. He hasn't been. You know, by some accounts out there, hasn't been the the model teammate necessarily. But in terms of, they're at a spot with their locker room where, you know, especially when it's a guy that they know. Um, you know the. Kind of like Kelvin Benjamin, you know, he wasn't like necessarily this guy that was known for having the perfect work ethic or anything like that. But, you know, it's one of those things where when they know a guy, they feel confident in their room and confident uh, in their culture to bring a guy in and get the most out of him. So maybe they would get a more motivated version of Devin Funches than um, even they had in Carolina. So uh, I think more looking for a guy like that would be would be the smart play because when you're chasing multi-year deals with a lot of guaranteed money for some of these other receivers, mm-hmm. there's a reason they're on the market. Um, you know, even, you know, the Robbie Andersons of the world or the, you know, Demarcus Robinson, who I brought up, I like him as a player, but you know, there's a reason some of these guys make it to free agency and you want to look more for the the value than, 
be chasing multi-year deals. If for nothing else, it gives you a lot more depth than you had last year. And let's say the rookie comes in and beats him for that other starting job with John Brown and uh, Cole Beasley in the slot. Then that way you have four starting caliber receivers on your roster. You're getting one of them who has had success in the league at a spot where Brandon Bean um, was a GM. And he's there for a relatively cost-effective contract. Uh, this year, way more than last year, I think it's a win-win scenario for the Bills. And uh, if they were to dip their toes in that market, I wouldn't be shocked for a motivated Funches to go, okay, uh, they know me, I know them, let's go make some money the next year. I think I think that would be... And he's still young, too. So that's... And there would be no, I guess, ties for them to... They would handle the situation the same way as they did Kevin Johnson this year. There, there would be no ties for them to A, start him, or to B, pay him the next year. So I, I think it's a win-win scenario. All right, we're going to get to the defense. But first, we'd like to pause for a brief minute to ask you, our faithful listeners, to click into the show notes for today's episode and then follow the link that's there to a very short survey. You all know so much about us and our... Um, our misgivings and the office trivia and um, our affinities for Blaine Gabbert. And by our, I mean Matthew Fairburns. And But we don't know much about you. So the survey is 11 super simple questions and we'll take you sub 60 seconds, I promise. So head to the show notes for today's episodes and click on the link. And please be uh, as willing as you can to mention the fact that Matthew Fairburn hasn't brought up Blaine Gabbert for for a while. So it'll help make us have uh, even better shows and perhaps maybe even uh, create a new award or two for the season. Although we've got quite a few (laughs) awards already. So uh, please please be sure to do that. All right. On the defensive side of things, uh, I will let you lead off again. And uh, there's plenty of options here, whether it be cornerback, linebacker, defensive end, maybe even a three-technique defensive tackle. So ideal and realistic, Matthew Fairburn, who do you have? Yeah, I've batted around a a few ideas. uh, And, you know, it depends on the market for some of these guys. You know, earlier in the offseason, we talked about Kyle Van Noy. He's probably going to become a wealthy man uh, in a couple weeks. And they might, you know be willing to spend in that range for a guy that can make that type of impact. But when we're in the using that realistic tag, uh, you know, it, it to me says probably somebody not quite like Kyle Van Noy. Um, mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about, you know, Marcus Golden uh, at, at points. He's coming off a big year, might be looking for um, a big contract, but he's never really gotten one. He seems to be a guy that's perennially undervalued. So, He's also in the back of my mind, but the guy I'm going with for realistic purposes and for the fit is Mario Addison. And that might bore some people, the defensive end from Carolina. They've done it so often going back to the well of guys that they know and, um, you know, guys that they've worked with new defensive line coach, Eric Washington will certainly, um, you know, you would think make a push for a guy like Addison. Sean McDermott's worked for worked with him. If they lose Shaq Lawson, Addison's a guy that could come in, replace what Lawson did for the most part, 
and you know bridge that gap if they draft an edge rusher you know take the pressure off he's not a young man but he's still playing pretty well uh he had nine and a half sacks and 22 total pressures last year they talk about having veterans in the room and and guys that um you know can be an example for younger players you know addison would be you know the ideal fit in that regard so not the long-term answer at pass rusher, not the the you know big ticket item that people are looking for, but probably a realistic one given all of the connections and just the type of uh, person and leader and still player that he is. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, he's he's someone that will definitely garner some interest from them, even if they were to draft another defensive end. I think. That wouldn't preclude them from from taking one in the first round. Actually, you know what? I don't think any pass rusher would preclude them from taking one in the first round if they're considering the uh, the long term of the position rather than just 2020. So Addison is definitely a uh, a name to keep an eye on. I think he would be relatively cheap. What is he going to be? 32 years old. Um, yeah. So he he's he, he's going to be on the cheaper side of things, a, a lot cheaper than say a uh, an Everson Griffin who would be. Uh, in that same age range, uh, I'm going to He's stay with be 33 in September. He's already 32. Mario Addison. Oh, is. okay. So, so that that's a very short term addition, but it's not something that they've shied away from. Can you say Ty and Seki last year? I mean, if if they think there can be someone of that age that can contribute, then by all means, they'll do it. I will stay at edge rusher with you because I think if you listen to Brandon Bean's comments from uh, from when he was on uh, WGR a, a few days ago, he was asked specifically about spending big at defensive end. And while he echoed the sentiments of not necessarily spending too large in, in other answers, he didn't necessarily rule it out either um, with, I guess, more of a, a realistic approach, which would be attacking that middle tier. And for pass rushers, the middle tier is probably among the, the high end for other positions. Like last year, they set the market with Mitch Morse at center. And what was that? 10, a little over 10 mil a year. Um he uh, that was doing that but middle tier for defensive ends is probably around 10 12 13 million dollars so i think that they would absolutely based on the comments that i heard i think that it would absolutely be in uh, in that conversation so i'll go with someone that's in that middle tier and again just like the one that i i went with for brian bulaga um, I'm going to attack the market from an age perspective because I think that's where there lies some opportunity for some short-term gains and some leadership in the locker room uh, or at least someone for a younger player to learn from. And that player, to me, who is a perfect fit for this defense and what he could present to them is Robert Quinn, who will be 30 years old um, heading into the season. He to me, still has a lot of juice coming off the edge. And I'm just thinking about a pairing of him and Jerry Hughes and the speed that's coming from both of those sides. He can still bend around the edge. He can still win that way. He's terrific on uh, on getting 
multiple offensive linemen to come with him on stunts and it opens up the lanes for his blitzing linebackers or his defensive tackle to get around and and get to the quarterback and he's fairly proficient against the run which is what they'll like his natural position is exactly what uh what the bills are offering they're a playoff team so there's going to be some motivation there from him i would think uh you could probably have him in that 10 11 12 million dollar years uh, a year range uh, i think to me if if that could be uh if they're going to make one finger quotes big swing this year adding that edge rusher that can help Jerry Hughes that can help um Ed Oliver in the middle that can help everyone else along the line i'm looking at robert quinn as the focal point for me uh, i think i think he could be a tremendous addition and i and i definitely think he could be had um, based on the parameters that they're working under and also with the fact that they could relinquish Trent Murphy to open up additional funds. And this is by saying if they don't re-sign Shaq Lawson. If they re-sign Shaq Lawson, I think that probably takes him out. But uh, if if they don't re-sign him, then I think they're very much in that market. And even if they were to sign a Robert Quinn, I would still wouldn't rule them out taking a, an edge rusher in the first couple of rounds either. Yeah, I like Robert Quinn. I've always liked him as a player. I think he his his best years are definitely behind him, but he still has plenty of that speed left in the tank. I think he was awesome last year. He's you know he had a bounce back year last year, and you know he's still got. They need speed off the edge more than anything. Trent Murphy mm-hmm. and Shaq Lawson just didn't provide a lot of that opposite Jerry Hughes last year. Jerry Hughes still has some of it, but. Outside of him, they don't have that type of burst off the edge. And I think that is a trait that Quinn still has at this point in his career. And he's certainly not the guy that he was, you know, when he was at his peak. At his peak, he might have been the best uh, defensive end in football for a little while. But mm-hmm. uh, he's to have that type of pedigree, to have a guy with um, that much football under his belt, fits into the same bucket as Mario Addison in terms of a guy that can come into that that room and, and kind of raise the level of everybody around him because of what he's seen. Um, he can be that mentor. So uh, it might take some some convincing on the Bills' part, right? You need to be willing to spend for a guy like that because with all of these guys that are getting the franchise tag around the league it's or you know reportedly getting the franchise tag, it, it's going to thin out this market at the top, and Robert Quinn is going to all of a sudden become – a really attractive option. So they're going to need to be willing to spend and they're going to have to, you know, make a strong pitch, but you know, he's, he was little things I think, you know, help sometimes. And he was there uh, in Dallas when the bills won that game. Absolutely. I think that can change a perception. A guy might have of Buffalo more so than somebody who didn't play against them. And uh, I think, I don't know, you know, exactly, um, you know, what the chances are of them pitching him on, on Buffalo, but I think he's worth taking a run at because absolutely, it's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of guys that are a little bit scary in this this pass rusher group, you know, because of you know whether it's you know fluky production or one year of production or crazy high. Uh, you know, num- numbers in terms of the contract. Quinn, I think, is a, a safer option because he's just got such a, a, a long, you know, history of doing it in this league. The only fear you have is, you know, when is the the cliff coming? But he's exactly, you know, he's not 
you know, and he, he's not older than Jerry Hughes, I don't think, right? He's, no, he's, he's younger. Older. He's 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 turning thirty uh, this coming year. So I mean, he's I think he still has enough left in the tank to be worth uh, a pretty decent contract. So if the Bills are willing to to get a little competitive, that's a, a spot to be aggressive, I think, because even if you draft an edge rusher in the first round, you're probably not counting on that guy especially as number 22 overall pick it's one thing if you draft one in the top 10 you can probably count on that guy to provide a pretty good boost year one um we've seen that you know josh allen last year uh both both bosas um pretty much stepped into the league and started dominating miles garrett was pretty good right away Finding that guy at 22 is a little bit more difficult, um, but it's easier if you put them in a role where they're more situational and they're not counted on for uh, being the main guy. And Mm -hmm. the only way you do that is if you add, you know, a a bit of competition uh, to that group. And if you're asking me, you know, would would it be better for the Bills to sign Robert Quinn to a two or three year deal? somewhere between, you know, 12 and 14 million a year or bring back Shaq Lawson, I would say go get Robert Quinn. Yeah, same. And the way you put it, pretty decent money in that if he were to hit even the top end, that that 14 million, um, even that is not, if you're looking for pass rushing production, it's not all that much comparatively to, what the the high-end guys are going to get in free agency this year. And we're talking about Ngakwe. Ngakwe, if he signs a long-term deal, he'll be up near 20. And that's scary. Clowney, same sort of deal. That you, you can expect that he will fetch a huge amount in free agency, a ton of guaranteed dollars. Quinn is a way to kind of hedge and and find the middle between good value with still a productive player. And the Bills have shown a tendency in free agency to take calculated risks under Brandon Bean. Um, that being with guys who either didn't start at their previous stop or uh, or they're coming off an injury. I mean, sometimes it works out. In the case of uh, John Brown, I mean, he was, he was great for them last year. Um, and he's had a vast injury history. Sometimes it doesn't work out in the case of Trent Murphy, who was coming off an injury and they were hoping they were going to get similar production to what he was the year before his injury. But they are willing to take those chances. And I think pairing Quinn with Jerry Hughes and maybe even flipping Jerry Hughes to the left side of the defense where he can really do that. He always looks great coming from the left side of the defense. Uh, I think where he attacks the right tackle, I think that could be quite fruitful for the Bills. And like I said before, they can walk away from Trent Murphy here. It's not as though they are absolutely dead set on keeping him because if they find an option that is better suited to them and that can help them win more than Trent Murphy can, then they'll do so. And, you know, the guys in the locker room, they know who's producing and who's not. And Trent Murphy, although he had like a, a solid stretch at the end of the season and a great game the first week of the season, he was nowhere to be found for basically 14 weeks in the middle of the year. And that I think guys understand exactly who, uh, who they have on, on their team. And 
Um, I think they would understand if they were they were to walk away and bring in a, an asset like Robert Quinn on a, a relatively cost-effective contract in relation to the rest of the defensive ends in the league. Yeah, SpotTrack has Quinn's market value at a three-year, $35 million contract. Right around 12 mil. An annual $11.8 million. And, you know, they, they're comparing it to Brandon Graham, um, Jerry Hughes, uh, ironically enough, Everson Griffin and Calais Campbell, four guys who signed at either 29 or 30 years old, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, basically where Robert Quinn is signing. Based on those contracts alone, averaging, you know, those, it would be four years, 55 million, but not every case is equal. I don't know if he's quite, uh, not necessarily on that level, but, you know, those are guys that sign deals with their current teams. Um, so that would be an average salary of 13.895. So, yeah, we're working in that 12 to 14 range, depending on what the market says about them. And for comparison's sake, let's see what they have on Shaq Lawson's market value. They say, and and this is where I think, you know, Shaq Lawson becomes interesting. They've got his market value at four years, 30 million, uh, an average of 7.6 million, which is still a nice deal for Shaq Lawson, something that he should not scoff at, but he's going to be looking for, um, you know, that, that long-term deal, uh, four years and uh, a decent amount of money. So I don't know. I think Robert Quinn is worth, worth 5 million more. Uh, personally, yeah, but yeah, same. because of what he brings as a pass rusher, Shaq Lawson is not a bad player, but he's also not an elite, uh, explosive speed edge rusher. He's, you know, had plenty of time to prove it and it's just not the type of player he is. It doesn't mean he's a bad player, but, um, you know, if you can allocate those resources, I think you get a lot of what you get out of Shaq Lawson out of, you know, Trent Murphy, if you decide to keep him, And I think you get a lot of it. What's to say they couldn't get Addison and Quinn if they let Lawson exactly. walk and uh, and they you know get rid of Trent Murphy as well and just 100%. sort of re you know transform that that you know defensive end spot completely, which you know probably wouldn't be uh, a bad idea. You know, it's somewhere where they haven't gotten a ton of production. So uh, kind of like what we're talking about on the offensive line. Uh, even some improvement from those guys, you know, towards the end of the year, like Trent Murphy, you still kind of you want to be looking to upgrade. And, you know, the like you said, to find value, you need to look for a guy who's either been hurt like they did with Trent Murphy and it didn't really work out um, or a guy who's a little bit older and, you know, might scare people off um, for that reason. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. um what some of these guys command on the open market, uh, particularly Addison. If you can find a way to get Addison and, and Quinn in the door um, and let Lawson and Murphy walk, I think you've mm-hmm. gotten better. Yeah, I agree. And heck, look at it this way. If you were to walk away from Shaq Lawson who and he ends up signing for, let's say it's that amount that Spotrek put, what was it, seven and a half mil a year? That was the annual valuation, right? Yeah, 7.6. So, so. Yeah. So, but a so four right year there. deal, you know, so like, right. are you going to commit four years to, to him? I'm not sure. Right. Exactly. So if, if you were to combine that average value um, with the cap hit of Trent Murphy this year, which is just a shade under 10 million, that puts you at 17 and a half million dollars this year between those two guys, if you were to bring them both back, 
So what if you allocate those resources to and cut Trent Murphy, bring in Robert Quinn for, let's say on the high side, $14 million, and then you have an extra $3 million you might have been willing to spend anyway on uh, on someone like Mario Addison or if uh, if maybe not even Mario Addison, there's other guys that are, will, will be values like Kerry Hyder, who also played in Dallas last year, who's a really good run defender. Carl Nassib, who has the the prototypical four three defensive end build for for their system, and is also a good run defender. Emmanuel Ogba, who uh, is coming off an injury and will probably be looking for a one year prove it deal. So th- these are there are guys out there that you can get. On another guy, Vinny Curry, who is probably not going to command a, a large salary, but still plays well, even though he's into his 30s. There are plenty of examples of those to where you can walk away from Shaq Lawson, walk away from Trent Murphy, still keep it in the same parameters as what you were willing to spend on defensive end in the first place and completely recharge the room with with two new guys and potentially even three new guys if you were to add a first or second round pick as an edge rusher. So that's a, that's a very... Um, plausible way to go about this thing i think i think uh both those guys addison and and quinn are very intriguing options for them we've just rebuilt the bills in we 45 did. minutes all the time they spend you know <laughs> just talk to it's, us it's, it's pretty easy yeah yeah i mean so there'll, there'll be no convincing of of players whatsoever just be like hey hey this makes sense for the bills do it right it's and just it's like, like yeah. on madden you just press yeah, the button just offer the yeah. most money and yep they sign. Boom. Boom. Simple. There it is. Yeah. Very simple. The one area we didn't bring up was linebacker. And I'm with you. I think Van Noy is probably going to get paid. I mean, I'm still going to study his film anyway. Just, just you know, to see if maybe that would be someone that, that would intrigue them. Um, and I, I think I mentioned before about the offensive line. I'm, I'm doing a series all next week of positions that the Bills could attack and watching film of guys that are realistic targets. So I'll have a complete breakdown of Quinn um, in the defensive end section, don't know which day that's going to drop, but it will be sometime next week on the athletic, and uh, and then linebacker is another will be another focus area. The one other position that is kind of weak in free agency that I think they could address, and here we go, former Panther cornerback got a name, Daryl Worley, former third round pick of good old Brandon Bean, and played in Sean McDermott's defense. Uh, they could bring him in to be. That one year prove it deal guy that can come in and compete with Levi Wallace for that for that starting job. I wouldn't put it past them to to fire up that old relationship either. Yeah, I think they always are looking to add corners too. Yeah. They yeah. pretty much do it every off season and they're smart to do so. And they've been pretty good about finding values there. EJ Gaines, yeah. Kevin Johnson turned into a value. So um I like the idea of, of bargain shopping at corner because Absolutely. they do need depth there. They they might, you know, spend a pretty good draft resource on a defensive back, but they need depth and mm-hmm. um free agency is the best way to find it because they've they've been pretty lights out uh looking for guys on the free agent market there. Absolutely. All right, so as Matthew Fairburn just said, we rebuilt the Bills. We rebuilt the line. We want we we want the, the line scr- Yeah, it starts up front. Starts up front. Both on We've offense and defense. The line of scrimmage. Sean McDermott would be very happy with us. I think. I think he would be ecstatic with. Uh... I'm not convinced, but <laughs> we'll pass this along, and and sure. maybe maybe he will be. Who knows? Sure, we'll have him fill out the survey. <laughs> yes. 
All right. So uh, the next time we will speak will be uh, next week for our actual pre-free agency show. And uh, we'll, we'll take on some of your questions uh, as part of that show. I think that that's probably, well, you know, a lot of people have their own ideas and maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll address some of them as we get closer to the, uh, the free agent market opening up. Uh, but until then, Matthew Fairburn, sign off. Do we have one today? I've got a fun story coming up. Ooh. I had a great conversation yesterday that I learned a lot from and made me laugh. And I think um, it's a, a topic of conversation with the Bills this offseason. And I think people will, I hope people will also learn and also laugh. Well, that's a, which is my goal all the time. That's a hell of a tease there. Good on you. I'm, I'm in there will it. be I'm... curse words in there. So viewer discretion advised. <laughs> Uh, which is always, probably why it made me laugh very much so the, the uh, person even said that the conversation made their piss hot which <laughs> is pretty great um we, i believe we've i don't remember if we used that on the podcast or not that was a nick sabanism it's a it's a southern thing nick saban uh said it earlier this year and I, I tweeted it out at one point, you know, that I expected the bills to come out with their piss hot and everybody was all sorts of confused, but um, I have a, I have, I have a clarifying question. Isn't it always supposed to be hot? Oh, that most times I'm like, I'm not sure. I didn't come up with the phrase. Uh, Like what? Yeah. I I don't even, I don't even know. Um, I'm not, I'm not much of a, uh, science guy, but, yeah, you you would think, right? I mean, if it's ice cold, that that would be somewhat of a concern, am I right? Yeah, there's no explanation when I uh, <laughs> when I Google this, and now it's in my Google history forever. Uh, <laughs> That's how they win. I think Nick Nick Saban is the first person I heard it, but this is an old time phrase. I think down south, but I don't even know if Nick Saban is. From the South. Nick Saban's quote was, this is the time of year to get your piss hot, to use the locker room saying. <laughs> Can you just use that I, as a sign off every time? <laughs> this is the time of year to get your piss hot. <laughs> yeah. If you're Brandon Bean and, you know, the, the front office, this is the time of year to get your piss hot. If, if we if we ever get uh, Bean on the podcast again, I'm going to ask him what I how he feels he knows about that, that phrase. He, oh, he absolutely for of, for all the turns of phrases that that guy has. I mean, it's not as much as a guy like Buddy Nix, but he he has to know. I mean, he's got. I some, bet you, he, Buddy Nix definitely has used that phrase before. Ooh, oh yeah, there's there is no doubt in my mind about good old Buddy old pal. All right, um, so that'll do it for us until until next week. Thank you all for listening to the Buffalo Beat, as always. And a quick reminder, if you have not yet subscribed to The Athletic, you can do so and get 40% off a yearly subscription. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash Beat. That's theathletic.com slash Beat. You enter, you enter, you sign up, and... Uh, yeah, you're good to go for 40% off for the year, and you get all that uh, hot piss content that uh, Matthew Fairburn is talking about. All right, so for the aforementioned Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you next week. See you then.